So today we are concluding our annual membership um, sermon series. And last week we, we took a, uh, like a brief look at the state of the church. And we talked about our particular calling as a church. And I'd say if you missed it, that would be worth going back and listening to, especially if you're newer to the church. So this week what we're going to do is we're going to focus some on the, the practices and the strategies that we have in place for helping us be what we're called to be here in this next year. And so we talked last week about how we're to be a church community that provides shelter for many people, including those previously excluded by churches like ours. That we're to be a place where scripture is used as a balm for people's wounds and not as a weapon against them. So simply being a church that fully welcomes people is a work of the Spirit of God. We're creating a home for people who previously didn't have a home. And we also talked about how, as we do church here in the Ann Arbor area, we're also part of the work of the Spirit, helping to form a new church network called Blue Ocean Churches. So some of you probably know this, but Blue Ocean Faith Ann Arbor is one of the charter members of this larger network that is going on nationally. Because the need for churches like ours all around the country is really large. So we're called to help churches in many places become what we're becoming. So Ken currently serves on like the senior leadership team for this national blue ocean network of churches. I'm one of a handful of lead pastors that are um, in churches that are up and running. And so we're at work supporting other pastors in the network and trying to provide some leadership and support for them. And virtually all of our staff spend some time directly supporting this new network. So for example, like Diane Sanda, um, who leads our children's ministry and her team of Sunday school teachers have been and will continue to be asked to consult with people who are doing Sunday school in emerging Blue Ocean churches. And so things that we're putting into practice here where we're like blending contemporary music with liturgical elements in our service and involving some of the young people in the worship service, um, these are being tried in other churches. We've already had visits from Blue Ocean Church plants in Grand Rapids and in Columbus, Ohio. I know a couple of you in here may even be future church planters. I know some of you have um, expressed an interest for that in the future, and so we want to be open to hearing what God might do in that respect. And so while a smaller number of people are directly involved in this aspect of the church, the fact that we're working together to be a church that can be a blessing to other churches in the network plays a vital role in what we're doing. And though we didn't talk as much about this last week, we also continue to have a role um, supporting national efforts beyond Blue Ocean to form more inclusive communities. So we have a, a window of opportunity to help churches around the country who are interested in becoming more inclusive, and especially more inclusive of the LGBTQ community. And so churches that are beyond the Blue Ocean Network sometimes contact us to learn more about the third way and the way that we're practicing that in this church. That includes like the Episcopal Diocese of Michigan. Ken and I went and spoke to them, the Christian Reformed Church, the Reformed Church of America. Most recently, we were contacted by an American Baptist church on the West Coast who wrote to us to let us know that his church is also going third way, that he's been inspired by what we've been doing here. I know Ken's hosted... Um, video pastor conference calls with clergy all around the country who are rethinking the traditional posture and reading of scripture that leads to LGBTQ discrimination. And we get requests from Facebook groups who are ministering to the parents of LGBTQ children in religious settings that aren't, supporter, aren't supportive. <clears throat> you know, there's a really great group online of moms, like moms of gay kids. And it's probably 900 strong right now, and they're a really great support network. So I would just invite you that if you're a mother, especially of a gay child, and you'd like to be part of this, I'll hook you up. I hooked my own mom up. She's kind of loving it. I wish there was a dad's group. If you want to start one, that'd be great. So these are the three areas where we focus our energy, right? So first, we're tending to a solid, loving local church. 
Second, we're helping building the Blue Ocean Church Network. And third, we're supporting national efforts in reforming the larger church. And these are the same three things that we communicated to you guys last year, and we still think that these three tasks will remain part of our calling for some time to come. So using those three tasks for us as a rubric, I'd like to share a little bit more about what Ken and I um, have been thinking about in terms of how we feel we need to um, do things strategically and specifically here in this next year, right? So this is looking into 2017. So first, the local church. So I've got to get some water. It's like the loudest thing ever. <laughs> this is one of those water bottles too that'll like squeak, so I'm sorry. <laughs> so you guys know our mission as a local church is to cultivate connections with God, with ourselves, with each other, and with the wide world around us. And so we still feel like fostering better connections within this church and in our community here is key to helping people find a place to belong, right? A place where you can know and really be known. And so to that end, we expanded our small groups last year, but we want to continue to be able to find ways to create more groups as newcomers come in. You know, I talk with a lot of the newcomers and Ken talks with a lot of the newcomers coming in, and so having small groups as a place to send them is a real need. I've seemed to especially have need for kid-friendly groups because those fill up fast. So we've been trying out things like the short-term connect group that's starting next month. I don't see Chris Wagner here, but she's leading that. Oh, it's already started? There's space for people if you would like to, to just try something on. And then last year during Lent, you know, we did like a six-week soup and bread groups. And so we're going to do that again because I think two of the four that we had last year actually turned into long-term small groups, including the one that Rachel and I were part of. And so that's a really great way to help people connect where there's not like a long-term commitment because not every group clicks. So that's like a good short-term commitment where you can see if this is a group that wants to go on and continue to meet. As you guys have probably noticed, we're not a church that does a lot of programmatic stuff. So we're not a church where you come in and you're going to go to this class, this class, this class, and this class, and then you're a leader and a disciple. Um, we made a deliberate choice to not do that. But we think that we've noticed a need and a desire for ways for people to engage the Bible more. And so that's why Ken and I are teaching this three-part Bible series that's starting next Sunday. I would encourage you to join us if you would like. That starts at 930 and then we're going to have um, two different Bible studies. One of them's already started up, and then another one will be starting up. So Andrea Walrath, who is in the back and one of my best friends there, she's leading a small group in Ann Arbor on Monday nights. I think they've been meeting at Gedaiko, and they're reading through the book of Matthew, and they've just started. So if you'd like to join, that's a great group. And then I talked with Sue Brokaw, who's over there on the left also, and she's interested in starting a Bible study group in Ypsilanti, and I actually asked her if she'd be willing to wait until after the intro to the Bible class. So that way, if some people want to get, like, get an intro and then move on into a, a Bible study, she lives in Depot Town and would be a fantastic person to connect with. So I think getting a little bit more into the Bible would be something that, like helping people have tools to do that would be something we'd be looking to do in the next year. We've also enjoyed and found that I think most of you guys seem to enjoy the after-church gatherings that we have. And so we're starting to aim to do some kind of monthly either potluck or snacks or something immediately after church, kind of like the old-fashioned church coffee hour. So you know how we had like cider and donuts? Yeah, right? <laughs> Got an amen from Amanda. <laughs> cider and donuts like we did last week? I'm like, yeah, give me more of that. So I think there's actually going to be like a soup Sunday, and I'm not sure if we landed on a date, but it might be November. Yeah, we have not landed on a date, but this next month we'll have like a soup potluck after service 
And we'll make sure there's something like that each month going forward. And those things are great for connecting with each other, but we're also here to learn to better connect with God and however that looks for each of us. So if we're soulless Jesus people, we're trusting that a connection with Jesus is not only possible, but it's desirable in our lives. And so we're going to talk more in this coming year about various prayer practices and disciplines that can help foster growth in this area as well. All right, so fostering further connections is a place that we're going to focus. But it also takes an emphasis on hospitality to be a warm and a welcoming place for newcomers. So we're trying to improve our welcome process for visitors who come on Sunday mornings. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but we've started to get a steady stream of people who are coming in, and we haven't even increased our advertising yet, which we're looking to do in this next year. So when they come in, we want them to have people who are greeters, who can greet them at the door, and who can show them where the bathrooms are, and where the Sunday school classrooms are, and the sanctuary. I'm looking at the leases because they're like greeters extraordinaire. Like if you want people to teach you how to greet, the leases are the people to do it. You know, like we're having hot coffee and tea when people come in. That's part of hospitality, right? And then we're thinking through the next steps, like how do we better help people connect to the church in ways that make sense for them? And also, can I just say like one of my dreams, one of my little pet project dreams is that we would eventually get the lyrics for the um, songs projected onto the wall. So, I know. So here's the thing, Clark actually donated um, projectors that his school system could no longer use. He did that like a year ago. I know Kate Sagita offered to help with it, but we wanted to make sure that like once we make that leap, that we're able to actually keep it up and keep it going, you know, because once you go there, there's several steps that have to take place to keep that going. But I think that could be one of those things that could help people as they come in, especially newcomers, be more engaged and more oriented um, to the worship service. So additionally, part of hospitality is helping ensure non-majority culture people feel like they belong as well. And so just recently, Ken's put together a diversity team to help us improve in that area over the next year. And so I would say connecting and hospitality are big. And I know we talked a lot about outreach last week, so I'm not going to go there this week, but suffice to say, we'll continue our efforts. So connections, hospitality, and welcome, outreach. But we're also going to do a little bit more with leadership development. So you might see a couple of different people preach. I know I enjoyed hearing Cassie last year. She was great. I think it would be really good to see Caroline preach at some point. She's over there. You might see another layperson in the church. I know Hayden filled in one week. So we're hoping to get some better training for people who are leading small groups and leading ministries so that they feel more supported in the ways that they're helping to lead the church. So that's for our local church. But as for the Blue Ocean Faith Network, you know, it's hard for me to believe it. We're still actually less than one year old. So we have a few established Blue Ocean churches. Many of you know where those are. They're in lower Manhattan. They're in Boston. There's a large church in Boston. There's two others in Massachusetts, in Quincy and Worcester, Iowa City, Madison, Wisconsin, and I think Philly is joining soon, and he's got a really established church. And then we have several Blue Ocean Church plants, some of which are already gaining some steam. So as you know, last um, year during Lent, we prayed for four of those Blue Ocean Church plants that were getting up and running. I think it was in Santa Monica, California, Berkeley, Columbus, Ohio, and Grand Rapids. So John West, who's the pastor of the Grand Rapids um, church plan, he's actually going to come here in a couple of weeks on November 13th, and he's going to preach to us. His group in Grand Rapids is now getting together, and they're meeting regularly. Dave Schmelzer, who's the national director of Blue Ocean Faith, he and his wife Grace had their official opening for Blue Ocean Faith Los Angeles, which was the Santa Monica church plant we were praying for. 
um, Sue Burkett, who's in Columbus, Ohio. She and her husband visited here last year. They have a nice sized core group of people that are meeting in Columbus now. I think they've got like 30 people on a regular weekend and they just changed locations because they outgrew the one they, they were meeting in. So that feels like that's going pretty well. And then um, Leah Martins, who's my dear friend who planted a church in Berkeley, California. She's been a dear friend to me in many ways, but once she introduced me to Rachel, so I've got a special place in my heart for Leah. <coughs> oh, sorry, I should turn this off. <coughs> um, she's got a group of people that are already up and running, and because she has an almost self-sustaining church after less than a year, which is a big deal. I mean, that can be tenuous, you know, sometimes... You know, I know like she lost one of her major givers who had to move, and so that can be tenuous when you're that small, but they're looking to be self-sustaining within the next 12 months or so. And I don't know if you guys know, but church plants don't always make it. So the, for the fact that we've got like four of them that are, you know, fizzling and going and continue to grow is a really good thing. Um, those of you guys who know Andy Deeb, you guys remember Andy who played the bass? He actually moved out to California. He's in Berkeley going to seminary, and he actually joined Leah's church and is now playing in her band. <laughs> so she's totally loving having him. And then we've also got two more startups that are in the works. Uh, one's in Duluth, Minnesota, which we shared with you guys a few months back. The pastor there, Ryan Bowers, was a blue or he was a vineyard pastor. And he left the vineyard and he ended up taking um, a little time off a few months. But he's back and he's got some renewed fire for planting a blue ocean community. And so he just started meeting with a group. And just this week, he got his bank account up and running. So they're working on their 501c3. And then another new church plan is in the Chicago suburbs in St. Charles, Illinois. And this is going to be led by a man named Jeff, who was part of the blue ocean cohort back when blue ocean was in the vineyard. And I think what happened was he was looking to plant a church and then his son was in a car accident. And so he became the primary caregiver for a few years. Um, but now he's at a point in his life where he's able to re-engage church planting. So I'll look forward to getting to know him. So church plants are just one way that we're helping to grow and develop the network. You know, Ken's on that national advisory team. I'm providing support. So this is like, we've got monthly calls with like the pastors of the large churches within the Blue Ocean, a monthly call with all of the, all of the pastors, a monthly call for me with all of the women pastors, because I don't know if you guys know it, but there's actually more senior pastors who are women than men in the Blue Ocean Faith Network of Churches. I know, I think that's not true anywhere else. You know, so we share ideas and we pray and we encourage each other. I know I mentioned last week that Ken and I are writing a book called Soulless Jesus. Um, we started that process this week. Ken turned out two really great chapters. I turned out a not so great chapter and I got sick, so I'm a little bit behind. Um, but we're not the only authors within the Blue Ocean that are releasing books next year. So Dave Schmelzer finished a book already that I think he's calling the Blue Ocean Faith Manual. Is that what it's going to be called? And I read it. I was one of the pre-readers for it, and so was Ken. And it's great because he fleshes out all of the theological distinctives a little bit more. And what this should do is it should be able to help us better communicate both within Blue Ocean as well as outside of Blue Ocean who we are and what we're about. And so this can help recruit churches who are maybe already doing things similar to the way that we're doing them, but who can say, oh, okay, that's, that's what I'm signing up for. That's who I am. And then A.D. Wasink, the lead pastor of the Iowa City Blue Ocean Church called Sanctuary. I'm sorry, I'm losing my voice a little bit here. <clears throat> A.D. preached here last fall, so some of you may remember her. Uh, she and one of her congregants, Katie, are writing a book together. And so I think A.D., I don't think I'm 
out of place saying this. I think she is the only evangelical pastor, she would say formerly evangelical now, who transitioned her church successfully to be inclusive to LGBTQ people without either splitting the church, losing the church, or losing a significant number of uh, people in the church. In fact, they've grown their church and went to two services. So I know, like 80 is like, she's amazing. So she and one of her gay congregants are writing a memoir about their friendship and about how that friendship influenced 80 and, and how they became inclusive that will hopefully help other congregations be able to do the same. And so all of these books, including Soulless Jesus, I think will help develop the theology and the practices for blue ocean churches, which I think is crucial for long-term viability for the movement. And then lastly, we're involved in a larger national conversation. Right, so this includes talking with people from you know, some of the different denominations that I listed earlier. We've got the Third Way newsletter, which is our blog that Ken and Caroline regularly post articles to. And what they're doing is they're helping people get a handle for how Romans 14 and 15 can help other people who want to become more inclusive or who can work through some of the, um, like the sticky issues that just naturally come up in churches. I've written a couple of articles, but I found I don't love blogging. It's not my thing. So I leave it to Ken and Caroline who are awesome at it. But I'm trying something else that's a little bit new to me. So along with Christina Roberts, she's the lead pastor of the Blue Ocean Faith Church in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, we're creating a podcast. So we've also got an American Baptist pastor named Jason who is joining us so that he can provide some perspective for the mainline churches. I never thought I'd do a podcast because I honestly never thought I had that much to say. But it turns out that Christina and I in talking, we were like, gosh, I think we actually have quite a bit to offer. We both had um, missions background. She was with Youth with Emissions for like 14 years before she planted a church. Thank you. Um, yeah, so Christina and I have like a similar background in terms of missions and then just in being lead pastors in, in um, like university towns. Like, so she's in Madison, Wisconsin. And we thought, you know, I think we can offer some things to people who are looking to plant blue ocean churches and even to mainline pastors who are looking to make faith more accessible. So I think we're tentatively calling it What Comes After, a Blue Ocean Church Planning Podcast, but we're still playing with that. And we've outlined 24 episodes and looking to um, start recording that in December. And then eventually when we get a moment, I think Christina and I would like to compile also a Blue Ocean Church Planting Manual, right? So that's probably lower on my priority list until we get the book up and going. But those are some things and ways that we're trying to help the larger movement grow. So on that note, can I just say how much I love our church? Can I just say that personally? Like, I was writing this. <laughs> and I just felt this, like, overwhelming sense of gratitude for this community. And I really mean it when I say that, you know, if we don't have a community of love, then what's the point? Right? And so I can imagine some of you might be thinking, you know, okay, yeah, you've been talking about a lot of stuff. Some of it sounds like stuff that's going on out there that you and Ken are part of, but how can I be part of it? And so I would answer by reminding us what David Gushy said to us last year when he preached. So David Gushy, you might remember, is the premier, probably Christian, certainly premier evangelical ethicist in the nation right now. And he came and he visited us and he did something that is not part of his tradition. I would say he gave us like a word, right? He gave us sort of a prophecy over our church. 
And I want to read it. I read it to you in full last year, and it might be something that we read every year because I think it very much captures what we're called to be. So I'm going to read it word for word. These are his words. He says, This is a word for you all. Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all the seeds, but when it's grown, it's the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree. So that the birds of the air, they come and they nest in its branches. This is still him. He says, so what's the application? The number of churches in this world with two billion Christians and millions of churches, the number of churches that have become fully and unequivocally, I can't say that word, inclusive to LGBT people is pretty small. But it is growing. It's a mustard seed size right now, really. And one could be discouraged by this, but then Jesus shows up and tells us that a lot of exciting stuff could come from a tiny mustard seed. He said, this tiny mustard seed grows into the mighty mustard tree. And from a very small beginning, the kingdom grows. That's a truism. If you ever grew up in a church, you heard about the mustard seeds, they get big and all that. But this time, he said, I noticed the last part. The birds will be able to land on this tree and they'll build nests in its branches. Linger there for just a minute. I like to think of this congregation and others that are like it and others that you might start someday as little mustard trees. They're not just seeds anymore. They're trees and they're big enough for lots of people, for lots of birds to settle here and to make some nests, to find a home, to raise a family, to be a family in the security and the branches of this place. The birds can build their nests there and nobody will knock those nests out of this tree ever, ever. If you remain who you are, this place will always be a safe, safe place. I celebrate the reality of what God is doing among you and I hope that you do too. A mustard seed movement, a congregation, and maybe many more to come where LGBT people are seen as human beings and in need of love, just like Adam in Genesis 2 where they join others in an inclusive spirit-led community like in Acts chapter 10, where the shepherd Jesus and all of the under-shepherds take care of all the sheep like in Matthew chapter 9. Be of good cheer, Blue Ocean. Be who you are. Be church. Be a blessing to all who come your way. And eventually, he said, many, 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 many people will find their way here. And it will go far beyond an old argument about the inclusion of LGBT people. It'll be a celebration of the kingdom of God embodied in a local church. Thanks be to God. So seeing what God is doing on a more national level is exciting. It is. But it means nothing if we don't have a local church that embodies the love of God to its congregants and that equips us to carry the spirit of Jesus into our real world lives. Right? Be church, he said. Be a place where birds can build nests and they can raise their young. If we want to participate in what God is doing on this larger scale, it starts with participating in what he's doing here. Right? We create a worship service that gives God glory. It equips us to love others and to serve others, connects us to Jesus and is a blessing to both our members and to the community. And we do this in really practical ways. Right? We serve the bread and we serve the wine to one another reminding us that we are all welcome at the table of God and that he died to make that so. Our bread is all handmade by Carrie and by Aaron, and I think that alone communicates love and care, like the tender love and care that goes into the details. We make meals for people 
who are sick. We mourn with the people who are mourning. We teach Sunday school so that our kids inherit a spirituality that tells them they're beloved of God and that they are called and chosen and made for a purpose and that shapes them to be loving and joyful and hopeful human beings. And we practice accepting one another as Christ accepted us. We embrace the church as a learning laboratory of love, a place where we practice forgiving others and receiving forgiveness where we practice loving those who are not like us, and where we can journey alongside one another and encourage one another in the faith. We eat meals together, we celebrate the presence of God, and we try to lay down our lives for one another in love. And we do all of this so that we can be lights in our worlds, right? so that we can learn to see the spirit of the living God in all people and in all situations. You know, Creating community takes work. Right? Creating community, it takes work, and this is the work of creating a safe spiritual community. It is the faithfulness of the many tending to the worship services and small groups and the making of the coffee and the greeting and setting up microphones and playing the guitar week after week. And in our culture, I think it can be so easy to consume cult, um, church like it's a product. You know, but that's not how you get the best out of church. It's something that we do together. And I know that there's times in everybody's life where you're not able to, like maybe you've just had a baby or you're really sick, like there's seasons of our life and nobody's like looking at you and judging you if you're not able to participate, like there's no shame there. But really part of being a community is being able to tend to each other and to share each other's burdens and to participate. And so I encourage you guys to participate as you can to get the most out of the community. It shouldn't feel like Sunday morning is something that Ken and me and Cassie and the other staff are doing. We have specific tasks, but it's something that we're all doing together to create a celebration of the fellowship of the believers and where we can bring honor to God. I have to say we're a giving, serving, and participating church. Right? That that's who we are. It's part of our DNA. It's the way that we believe connection and discipleship happen. And so I encourage you guys to give and to serve generously. So I know this is the last week where we're doing the membership. Probably many of you guys have already filled out your membership forms. But if you haven't, there's some back there on the welcome table. And you just fill it out. We're asking you guys to go ahead and make um, a donation pledge, mostly because at a church our size, you know, we're more dependent on knowing and being able to forecast what we're going to have incoming for the next year. And so that's really helpful to us. Um, yeah, and, and give and serve where you are able. Can I just say how blessed I am to be part of church with all of you guys? And I've seen so many of you guys just like jumping in and creating this community and we wouldn't be that without all of you. All right, let's go ahead and just take a couple of minutes of silence. I'd, I'd say you could do a couple of different things today as we center ourselves. It is All Saints Day. And so if there are people that you would just like to remember and give thanks to God for them, you can just spend this time just holding them in your mind before God. Or if you'd like to just offer a general prayer of thanksgiving for something going on in your life, that would be a way to spend this time. A little noise is fine. People and kids make noise. Let's just invite the Holy Spirit to come and to help this vision for what he's called us to be also to just settle in our hearts. Come Holy Spirit.
Jesus, I thank you so much for this church community that you've blessed us with, Lord, that you've called us um, to be a blessing to others as well. I ask that you would birth in our hearts, Lord, a vision to know what piece of the puzzle that we have to play in this, Lord, how it is that you're using us to create a safe, welcoming space, especially for people who have been traditionally excluded from the church, Lord. And I ask also, Lord, for those who are here, who are just coming into the community and looking for ways to belong and to connect, Lord, that they would sense your overwhelming love, that they would sense your spirit, that they would sense your son Jesus close to them in their hearts, Lord, and that they would also just sense the embracing love of the people who are here, Lord. No church is perfect, like we're made up of humans, but Lord, I just ask that you would give us grace to be really good at hospitality and welcome. Lord, we thank you so much for all of the gifts that you've given to us. We pray a blessing over this church in the name of your son. Amen.